0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most diehard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our great friends at MyBookie. Jump in on all the college basketball, all the NFL action, Super Bowl action right now at MyBookie by going to mybookie.ag. Use our promo code UGA when you sign up for a brand new account, and you will get hooked up with a 50% bonus on whatever your first deposit is. So get in on that while you can at MyBookie. But I am your host, Tyler. And I am back with this week's edition of the UGA Hoops Report, and man, it's been a brutal week, y'all. It, there's no other way to say it. There's no sugarcoating this. It has been a brutal week on the hardcourt. Two more games, two more agonizingly close missed quad one win opportunities. Those are the wins that we need to get if we want to have a shot to get in the tournament. And we had two shots, two really, really good shots. And we were right there in both the games. But we just couldn't quite get it done in either one of them. So yeah, it's been a tough week. But let's go ahead and recap those two losses. Let's go back to Saturday. Let's start with the Florida game. I really wanted to jump on here either Sunday night or Monday and do a dedicated episode recapping that Florida game and also previewing the Alabama game. I couldn't quite make that work. So I know it's been almost a week since that floor game. I know it's kind of old news now, but I do have some thoughts I really want to get on record here. I did put out a tweet. I recorded a quick little video to share some quick thoughts as I wasn't sure if I would be able to do a full-on episode. So I did want to share some quick thoughts out there. So if you're not following us on social media, make sure you're doing that. Make sure to check us out on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA or X, I guess is what it's called now. I don't know, Twitter, X, whatever. And then on Instagram, it's just Glory UGA podcast. And I, I think I'm going to keep doing that because I've gotten some pretty good feedback from some of you guys out there so yeah that gives me a chance if I if I can't get to the the mic and record a full-on episode it gives me a chance to at least share some quick immediate reaction thoughts with you guys so yeah make sure you check that out but anyway the Florida game was was wild man that was a game that I almost turned off it was one of those games where it's like oh my god I feel like this is last year I just I can't watch this gotta turn this off because it's not good for my mental health but no I stuck it out and thank god I did because it got fun there it got fun there for a minute at one point in the second half, we were down 21 points. It was 66-45 with 13-34 left in the second half. That was the point where I'm just, like, about to throw in the towel. I'm like, come on, man. Like, we we tried to make a little bit of a run at the end of the first half. Couldn't quite put as much of a dent into that lead as I would have liked. But I was like, all right, second half, maybe maybe we'll see. We'll see what happens. And then they come out. They extend it to a 21-point lead. And I'm just frustrated because I, I told you guys last week on the Hoops Report that was a game that I didn't really have expectations for us to win because I know Florida is better than us. I told you guys they're a more talented team. This I think you probably saw that, but I also felt like it was a game that we could get. It was a quad one opportunity that we had a chance to go in and get, like you know, play in Tennessee, play in Alabama, which we're gonna get to in a few minutes, play in Auburn. Those are teams like even when we play them at home, they're just so much better than us from a talent standpoint, from a roster standpoint that it's not really truly reasonable to expect to win those games. But Florida, while I do think they're more talented than us, it's not by as wide of a margin as like Auburn and Alabama and Tennessee and, even, and certainly Kentucky, who I think is the most talented team in the country. So I thought that was a prime opportunity to go in there and maybe possibly get one of those quad one wins, although I, I didn't go in there thinking, oh yeah, we're going to win this game or we have to win this game. So yeah, even though I had no expectations that we we're going to win the game, I, I was so frustrated because... I thought there was, a, there was a chance. I thought there was maybe a chance. A little bit of me like sitting there thinking, okay, maybe maybe we can get this game. And then they pushed the lead to 21 with 13 minutes to go in the game. And I'm just sitting there like, I don't need this in my life, man. I don't need this in my life right now. But as you all know, I'm a Georgia guy. And I, I don't quit on my guys. I just don't. So I stuck it out, watched the entire game. And yeah, we made a hell of a run, man. We pushed the game to overtime. I mean, guys, we were down 16 with seven minutes to go in that game. But we went on a 24-8 run to close out the second half from the 7:17 mark on to push it to overtime. And I'm sitting there going crazy in my house thinking, oh my God, man, Like we might have a chance to win this game. We're going to overtime, baby. We got all the momentum. We went on that run. We pushed them. They're feeling the pressure. But then over time, they just took over from the jump, essentially. And really, it was two guys. It was two guys that spearheaded that comeback. Number one, obviously, RJ Melendez going for 35 points going 6 of 10 from 3, we talked about him really each of the past two weeks, especially last week, how his shooting was starting to come on, and it has not let up, I mean, he had a career day on the road in Gainesville, and had a really good game yesterday against Alabama, which we'll get to here in a few minutes, so he was a rock star all game long, but late in the game, Blue Kane became a major factor at 8 Huge points! The final three minutes of the game, knocked down two threes, a couple of th- a free throws, and ended up with 14 points on the game. And, and let's let's give some props to Big Russ here. Russ had a good game against. Well, he had a solid game against LSU. He was big late in that game. And then I thought he played really well against Florida. I thought he did a really good job in that game, 15 points, 11 boards. He was more active than I had seen him be in a while. I thought he had a huge game and was really a big part of also why we were able to win that game. So it's really those three guys. Silas Demery, who I love, is going to be fantastic for us, has been fantastic for us. He had a a freshman-type game, only played 18 minutes, fouled out, fouled out with, what, 13 minutes to go in the game, only had four points. If he doesn't foul out in that game, we win, I'm convinced. If he does not foul out in that game... We win that game. No offense to Justin Hill. Justin does a lot of good things for us. I know that he has been getting a lot of a lot of criticism of late, and I think to some degree that's justified. I think he's making some really poor decisions with the ball at times. He's playing out of control, and he has become a turnover machine lately. But more than anything, if Silas is in the game late, he will knock down the free throws. More, more than likely would knock down the free throws that Justin Hill missed. We lost this game ultimately by four points. Obviously, it goes to overtime. Justin Hill missed a number of critical free throws down the stretch, went 0 for 3. If he makes one of them, we win the game. I would like to believe that Silas Demery would make those free throws. The odds say he would. At least one of them, right? He's shooting 71% on the season from the free throw line. The odds say he would make one of those. And we've got Justin Hill who's sitting there at 58% right now, which is, that, that hurts because his strength is getting to the rim, and he has trouble finishing over length, but he can draw fouls, but it doesn't really matter if you're drawing fouls if you can't hit free throws. Like That can't be your game. It can't be your game that, oh, I'm going to get to the rim, I'm smaller, I'm undersized, but I can get fouled at the rim. That can't be your game if you can't knock down free throws, if you're shooting 58% from the line. It just can't be your game. You become a liability at that point because those missed free throws, especially if it's a front-end missed free throw, that's a turnover to me. I've always counted that as a turnover. That is what I call an invisible turnover. And Justin wasn't all bad against Florida. He was. I mean, he had nine assists, guys. I know he turned the ball over some, especially late, some critical turnovers. But he did a good job in that game, a much better job than he has recently of actually setting up his teammates and creating shots for other players. He did make a couple layups late. Again, it wasn't like he was all bad, but I mean, especially that final possession in regulation. Oh, my God. And look... I don't love the play call there. I thought Mike White did a really good job down the stretch to get us some really clean looks, especially Blue Kane to clear him up, RJ Melendez to clear him up. I mean, he was running set plays for those guys to get looks from the three-point line, and they were knocking them down, it was beautiful. It was glorious. Great job by Mike White. That last possession, though, I think he'd probably want that one back. It looked like we were trying to kind of sort of run a high pick and roll like a flare screen at the top of the key to Melendez, but... It was pretty clear from the get go there. Justin was just going to take the ball, and he has been good for us in those late game situations. When I mean, he won the Florida State game for us on last game sh- on the last second shot, he has been good in those situations. So, I, I, I in some ways you want to you want to respect the guy for wanting the ball in his hands at the critical moment. But we've got to get the ball in one of two guys' hands there. You get the ball in preferably R.J. Melendez's hands because he was unconscious all game long, or if not him, blue came. Instead, we get Justin Hill just dribbling out of control aimlessly with no clue what he's doing, and then just turn the ball over, and and the game goes to overtime. I mean, we have the ball there, final possession, tie game, chance to win it in regulation, and that's the possession we come up with. And again, we had had some really, really strong possessions, really great set plays that we had run to free up some guys to get great looks that they were able to knock down. But that last possession was just not acceptable. That cannot be the last possession you get in regulation in a game like that as critical as that game was for us to try to get a quad one win. That just can't be your last possession, but it was. But offensively, you can't really complain with how we played the game. We scored 98 points, guys. 98 points in that game. Yeah, I know went to overtime, but we still scored 85 points in regulation. That should be enough to win any game in the SEC. It should be, but in that game, it was clearly not, and that was the second time in three games that we gave up over 100 points to opponent. Again, I know the game went to overtime. I get that, but defense was the issue in this game, guys, and it was really, it was not just one thing, but the thing that killed us over and over again, which drove me insane. They were running the same action over and over, and over, and over, and over, and over again. They were running high ball screens every single possession, especially late in the game, and we were switching them every single time. Every single high ball screen they ran, we were switching them. And that put Russell Chiwa on their guards, on Pullen, on Clayton, on Richard, on whoever had the ball in their hands, it put Chiwa on them one-on-one. It gave them the mismatch that they wanted. And I know that our coaching staff believes that Chiwa has some versatility in his ability to defend on the perimeter. And he does have good feet. I've said that many times about him over the past couple of weeks. He does. But it's still a mismatch. He's still a liability defending a guard out on the perimeter. And they took advantage of it time and time again. I kept seeing on social media, oh my God, how are we giving up so many clean looks of the basket? It's because we kept switching the high ball screens and we never adjusted. What could we have done? We could have trapped him. could have played some, some drop coverage and forced him to hit jump shots. We could have just I don't know, not switched, but we did not try any of that. I understand the thinking there because early in the game, they were unconscious from three. In The first half, they were knocking everything down from three. So if they're shooting like that early in the game, drop coverage is not something you really want to use because you're giving them like wide open jump shots. And if you don't switch, you might not get over the top in time to get a hand in their face and, and contest a shot. So again, would likely have or have a good chance to have a clean jump shot. So what do you do? You switch. I get why we're switching. But she was not the guy to do that. I was screaming the entire second half. Put in Deloach or put in Anselm. It's not that Russ isn't viable. Russ was doing good things. He had a really good game, 15-11, double-double. Great game by Russ, but they were exploiting his weaknesses. He's not great. He's solid-ish defending on the perimeter for a 7-foot, 270-pound guy. But it doesn't matter. He's still a liability defending a guard on the perimeter. He doesn't have that kind of quickness. And I'm not saying DeLoach or Anselm do either, but they certainly have a much better chance of defending those guards on the perimeter than Chiwa does at 7'270 pounds. And DeLoach and Anselm played 12 minutes combined in that game. I mentioned a couple weeks ago after the South Carolina game, which was a huge, huge road win for us, the biggest win of the season so far. We need to get that game on Saturday as well. That you know, Anselm came in late in that game and it was a major factor for us and was a big reason why we won that game. And I understand that he has some deficiencies. He's certainly very thin against bigger body guys down low, he can get pushed around. That's that's kind of been his, his history. But situationally, he has value in our team. And I felt like using him, who do you use? Chiwa, Deloach, Anselm it's a it's a game by game decision it's a game plan specific thing and I felt like in that specific game the way Florida was trying to attack us offensively with the high ball screens that was a Deloach Anselm type game especially late when they kept going to it over and over and over and over and you guys saw it you saw the clean looks they were getting and you're probably punching the wall because how can you possibly get that many clean looks? Because we didn't adjust. We just refused to adjust defensively and we kept chewing the game. And I know you keep chewing the game because he's a big guy and he was having a good game. He was scoring a little bit and he's a big body and he did a good job rebounding. And I, I understand why he was in the game, but they were killing us. They were killing us with the high ball screen. All things he was doing were great. It doesn't matter if we can't get stops and we couldn't get stops, especially in overtime and ultimately end up losing the basketball game. So that was, to me, the biggest reason why we lost this game. The second biggest reason, in my opinion, was our effort from the free throw line was just not good enough. 53%, you're not going to win basketball games on the road. You're not going to win basketball games on the road when you shoot freaking 53% from the free throw line, especially a game that goes into overtime. You make one of them, one of those that you missed. I don't know, make 60% instead of 58% and you win the basketball game. That's just, it can't happen. It drives me insane. I know guys aren't going to hit 100% of the free throws. I get it. I get it. But 53%, that's not good enough. It's not going to get us in the tournament. We actually did a great job of protecting the basketball. I mean, we only turned the ball over nine times in in 45 minutes of play. We shot 52% from the field. We shot 42% from three. Those are all metrics to say, hell yeah, you should have won that basketball game. How'd you lose? Well, we lost because we had no clue how to defend the high ball screen and because we shot 53% from the free throw line. I know that everyone is really upset right now because it's fresh in our minds about how the Alabama game went down because we had a huge lead in that game. And yeah, we let that lead slide. You can say we blew it, whatever. We'll get the Alabama game. I understand there's a lot of people frustrated about that game. I'm far more frustrated about the Florida game because in my opinion, Alabama is just far better than us. Florida is better than us. They're more talented than us, but by, again, not as wide of a margin. And that is a game where if we, again, make one freaking free throw, if we do anything differently, against the high ball screen. If we adjust in any way, we get maybe one more stop and we win the basketball game. I know most people don't look at it that way because we were down huge in that game. Very different circumstances, right? Down huge and we made this valiant comeback. So you're like, oh man, good effort guys. And in the Alabama game, it's like, oh man, you blew it. It's just a different vibe because of the way it, the game started, right? But the Florida game is a game that we absolutely could have won. And I guess you can say, yeah, we could have beaten Alabama, but guys, Alabama's a top 10 freaking net team. We'll get to them. But the Florida game, to me, is the one that frustrates me because it was things that we did late in that game that cost us. With Alabama, I think they they just turned it on because they're better than us and they start playing really well, which they weren't early in the game and there's not much we can do when a team that's much more talented than us starts to actually play as well as they can. There's not much we can do in that scenario. Florida... Yeah, they they made some shots, but we just gave them that game because we refused to adjust defensively and we kept missing free throws. So yeah, personally, I am far more frustrated with that Florida loss. That's the game I feel like we should have had. But we didn't. We didn't get it, and um, yeah, that one hurts. But we'll get to this Alabama game here in just a second. First, I do want to quickly remind you guys again about our wonderful friends at my bookie, the Super Bowl guys. It is what a week and a half-ish away from us now. This is your last chance to bet on football. I guess you can bet on the UFL now, the combination of the USFL and the XFL. So if you're a real gambling degenerate, I guess you could bet on that. I I probably will, to be honest with you, just have some fun—not a lot, but maybe a little bit. But NFL, Costco Ball, this is it. This is your last chance. And it is maybe the biggest betting weekend of the season with all the prop bets you have out there. Of course, you have the typical game lines, you have the, the point totals, team totals, all that stuff. But you're gonna have wacky, crazy, and just fun prop bets. And my bookie guys, every year they have a ton of them. So if you're trying to just have a little more fun on Super Bowl Sunday, Make sure to sign up for a brand new account with MyBookie right now. Do it right now, guys. Press pause. You can come back to this. It'll take you about 30 seconds. Go to MyBookie.ag. Use our promo code UGA. And if you do that, they are going to give you a 50% bonus on whatever it is that you deposit with your first deposit. And you got all that money to play with, guys. More things to bet on. More money to win. So check it out today and bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. All right, guys, let's get this Alabama game. I know this one is fresh. I know this one hurts because we had a lead and it feels like a, it's a different kind of vibe. Like I said earlier, it's a different kind of vibe than the four games. The Florida game, we were down so big and most of us had like, given up. And then to see us come back, it was thrilling. This game was the inverse. We start out with the massive lead. What was it, 17 to two? About halfway through the first half, halftime, have a 14 point lead. You're like, oh, hell yeah, man. We're, we're gonna get that quad one. We're, we got this one. Well, uh, maybe not so much. And when I say this, guys, I do not mean this as a shot at anyone. I really do not. You are entitled to feel how you feel. I'm not trying to tell anyone how to feel. I'm just giving you guys my opinion and and how I feel about it. That's what I'm here to do on this podcast. I do feel like there's maybe a little bit of an overreaction to that loss. And I understand why. Because it comes on the heels of a couple of close losses. At home against Tennessee, another very, very narrowly missed quad one win opportunity. Obviously, the game of Florida where, yeah, we were down huge. We fight all the way, all the way back. We have a, a shot with a final possession regulation, and we just completely waste that possession, and we lose in overtime. So we've had these really close, narrow misses in these quad one opportunities, and it seemed like we had this one, 17-2 to open the game, 14-point lead at half, a double-digit lead for most of the second half. It's at home. The crowd was freaking insane. It normally takes me about eight minutes to get from my house and get parked and like get to the game. I guess all in like walking to the game, it might take me like 15 minutes total, get from my house, park, and then get into the, into the arena, into Stegman for a normal game. That's why it took me for LSU last week. Uh, last night? No, nah, man, it took me about 45 minutes, almost an hour. I had to park all the way up on freaking university with my broken freaking Achilles, walk all the way there and probably set myself back two or three weeks of my recovery. But you do what you got to do. So anyway, I get why people are so frustrated and upset. And in some ways, you're kind of lashing out last night on social media. I get where you're coming from. And look, I appreciate your passion. I love that we have people that are passionate about Georgia basketball because that hasn't been the case for a minute, all right? I love that we have people upset and frustrated with a with a close loss to a team like Alabama. I love that. That's that's progress right there, baby. I mean, I know you don't want to say that right now. I know it doesn't feel like that in the moment here. It's fresh, but that's progress, that in and of itself is progress, but I do feel like there's maybe a little bit of overreaction to this game, because once again, this is another game that I had no expectation to win, I know, I think a lot of people probably haven't watched a ton of Alabama basketball this year, and I get it, I mean, I understand, like, you know, a lot of people are just tuning into college basketball right now, college football is over, and if you look at Alabama's record coming to the game, they're 14-6, and six. we're 14-6, and six. like, oh yeah, man, like, we're just as good as them, no, 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 we are not, guys, they lost, they lost five games the non-con, But those games were against some of the best teams in the country. and They came very close to winning. Now, they didn't win any of them. They challenged themselves early and they were very much a work in progress early. They did beat a good Oregon team, but they lost to Clemson, who has kind of fallen off a little bit in the ACC, but they were really good early in the season. I mean, look like they might win the ACC early on. Uh, They lost to Purdue, uh, they lost to them in Toronto, which is Zach hometown. That was a really, really close game. Basically, every front court player Alabama had fouled out in that game. They lost a very close game, a true road game at Creighton, who was a top ten team at the time, and is you know they they flirt with the top ten, like even in the, the net ratings on a pretty consistent basis. They lost that game by 85-82. They lost uh, Arizona in Phoenix. It was not in Tucson but it was it was essentially a home game for Arizona they lost that game so they lost two good teams if you actually watch the team play you would see this is a really really good basketball team and they have gotten better as the season has progressed they were a defensive train wreck early and that was hurting them they've seemed to have for the most part gotten that fixed so I knew how good Alabama was coming in this game I also felt like this was a really bad matchup for us because what does Alabama do offensively they are all about the analytics. That's what Nate Oates is. He is a, we only shoot threes and layups kind of guy. Now, I was actually shocked. There's, I, I think, two, maybe three mid-range shots in that game last night, and they hit him. And I'm like, I was just, I almost fell out of my seat when they took those mid-range shots, because they just simply never, ever do that. I think that's kind of their downfall. That was their downfall last year against San Diego State. San Diego State was running, you know, drop coverage, and they were basically daring them to take those contested layups, and they kept taking them, and they would refuse to pull up and take a mid-range shot, and they were just driving into all the traffic and were shooting a very, very low percentage. It's killed them in those big games. That's why they haven't had a, a big run in the NCAA tournament. But coming into last night's game, we had not been defending the three-point line well at all. Kentucky shot 56% from the three-point line against us. LSU shot almost 44%. Florida did not shoot well in the second half. In the first half, they were lights out, but they still ended up shooting 35% from the three against us. And that is very different than what we had been doing really all season long. We've actually been defending the three-point line really, really well, and what does Alabama do? They shoot threes, and they are lights out shooting those threes, so I felt like it was going to be a really tough matchup for us just, you know, look at what they do well and what we've been struggling with, so no, I did not come to that game thinking, oh yeah, this is a game that we're going to win. I, I was hopeful that at home, you know, with a, with a really good crowd, you know, we typically play well at home, and it's tough to win on the road. Who knows? Maybe we got a shot. I mean, you see upsets happen, but I knew it would take the best effort we possibly have, and Alabama would have to play really poorly. It's possible, but that's what it would take. And I want to give our coaches and our players credit for our game plan in this game. We did a hell of a job of running this team off the three-point line. Like, we were running at them, getting them off the three-point line, and we were forced them to try to beat us, as I often say with football, left-handed, doing what they don't do as well. Like, you know, not what their forte is. And for the majority of the first half like actually the entire first half we did a fantastic job Mark Sears who leads the SC in scoring by the way only had four points at halftime now he ended up with 20 plus what 23 points in the game so he went off for 19 in the second half which was only a matter of time as I'm about to talk about here in a second but we did a great job doing what we had to running him up the three-point line and on the flip side we were hitting our open shots from distance early in the game in the first half we had seven of them in the first half well what happened in the second half well goose egg didn't hit a single one but as I was sitting there in Stephen Coliseum last night, I kept saying to my dad, who I was watching the who I was there with uh, at the game, I kept saying to him, "It's just a matter of time. They're not hitting shots right now, and guys. They were just dreadful from the field in the first half. They had 27 points at halftime. This is a team that leads the SEC in scoring. They averaged 90 points a game. They had 27 at halftime. We did a hell of a job defending the best offense in the entire league and one of the best offenses in the entire country in the first half. A hell of a job." But saying that, it wasn't all us. They had some open shots, and they were not hitting them. They were making some poor decisions and driving into traffic, trying to get shots at the rim, which is what they do. That is what often hurts this team. So everything was going right for us in the first half. really The the first, what, three quarters of this game, we were playing really well. We were playing about as well as we could. And they were playing very poorly. They were not hitting shots. And that's what it would take for us to win this game. And it was working. It was happening. We were up double digits, really the entire first half and most of the second half. But I kept telling my dad, it's just a matter of time until they start hitting shots This team is far too good offensively. They have far too many elite shooters on that team for them to go an entire game being that cold. It's just not going to happen. It had not happened all season long, and it was not going to happen in this game. Eventually, they were going to heat up. They were going to see a couple balls go through the net. They were going to get that confidence back, and the floodgates were going to open, and they were going to start hitting shots. That's fine. If, when you have a lead like we had, a double-digit lead, as long as we keep holding up our end of the deal and we don't turn the ball over and waste possessions and allow them to string together a long run. Well, what did we do? We turn the ball over 19 freaking times and we allow them to string together those runs, gain momentum, gain confidence, and when their shot started falling, we had no answer because we were careless with the basketball. Now I do want to give Alabama credit for this. They did struggle defensively early in the season. That's kind of been one of their calling cards. They you know, they take 3 point, a lot of three-pointers, and they get to the rim offensively. Defensively, They've been really good on Nate Oates for the most part since he's gotten there. And they play a really aggressive style of man defense. They're really, really good with their ball pressure, a lot like LSU, and they kind of just force the ref to just call it. And sometimes the ref does, sometimes they don't. The refs weren't really calling a ton last night. They were letting them largely play. But we had issues, really all game on, but especially in the second half when they turned up the pressure, we had a lot of issues protecting the ball. And we made a lot of mistakes a lot of careless turnovers and created some runouts for them that they took advantage of. And again, when a team is that good offensively with that many offensive weapons, it's just a matter of time. And if you give them more chances than they should be getting you're going to allow them to build momentum, build confidence, and they're going to make that run and take the lead and win the basketball game and overcome a double-digit deficit, which is exactly what they did. And we were hitting shots early. We were not hitting shots late. And that happens sometimes, guys. I mean, it's, it's, basketball is just, it's a simple sport. You know, it's, it's it's as simple as you got to make shots you know that's truly simplifying but you got to make shots and we were making shots in the first half we were not making shots in the second half they just weren't falling they were not falling and uh, Alabama started to fall because they're that good offensively and that kind of turned the game around uh, Jabri Abdurrahim who I love man I, I've been waxing poetic about this guy all all season long since we started talking more basketball love this guy and the way he's worked and, and waited his turn and been so patient but such a great teammate love him but he's really struggling right now. You know, he had that huge game in Kentucky. I mean, it was a 7-14 of from three-point game, 34-point explosion at Kentucky, career high. And you're like, okay, Jabri, you've been playing really well all season. Like, maybe you're about to take it to another level. Well, that has not been the case. He scored in single digits each of the last three games. He's been He's three of his last 16 from the three-point line since that Kentucky game, over the last three games. That's not good, obviously. And for a guy whose greatest value is, is his ability to knock down those shots from distance that hurts us? Because we don't have a ton of true natural three pointers. We have more than we did last year. RJ Melendez coming on has been a huge, huge benefit for us. And Blue Kane can knock him down. Uh, Thomason, he can hit him. Obviously, he's really streaky though. He's either on or, or not on, and uh, sometimes he disappears. He was good early in the game uh, yesterday last night against Alabama. He hit a couple shots in second half, but. He wasn't super consistent, but we do have some guys that can knock down shots, but Jabri is that guy. like He is the one that we really count on. If he's not knocking down shots, then that really hurts our offense, and especially when they're open shots. He's getting good looks, and he was getting some good looks, and he just wasn't knocking them down. So yeah, it was a combination of Alabama knocking down shots, us not hitting open shots, and just making careless decisions with the basketball and turn the ball over, getting really reckless out there. And so they go on a 14-5 to run over the final two minutes, and they pull away. Then they not only overcome a double-digit deficit, but they end up winning by almost double digits. They won by nine points, 85-76. So I I get why that's frustrating, okay? And I keep seeing a lot of chatter about this team quote-unquote choking or folding or not having that killer instinct, and I know that's largely an emotional response to a very frustrating loss in the moment when it's fresh. I understand that. I do, but I also think that's willfully ignoring the context and the nuance of the situation. Because as I said earlier, those teams, Alabama, Tennessee, that people are talking about, when they say, well, Georgia has this habit of choking. They get these leads and they just choke. They don't they don't have that killer instinct. Well, when you say that, you're ignoring the f- clear fact that those teams are significantly better than us. Like, not just a little bit. Like, they are a lot Better than us. We're talking about two top ten net teams in Alabama and Tennessee because those are the teams that everybody's looking at, saying, "Oh, Georgia blew those games. Like those are really good teams, and we had them on the ropes at home, and we had double digit leads in the second half, and we blew it." I get what you're saying, but you're ignoring reality. Those are top ten net teams for a freaking reason. They're really good. They are a lot better than us. I mean, Tennessee is a national championship caliber team this year, guys. I don't like saying that, and I hope Rick Barnes falls on his face again. But that is not only a Final Four caliber team; that is a national championship caliber team with Dalton Connect. I know they just lost to South Carolina. I understand, but the Dalton Connect is a difference maker for them. You all saw that. Those two teams are just better than us. They have better rosters. They are better programs right now. They are the more established programs. For us to win those kinds of games, to beat teams of that caliber, two things have to happen. Number one, we have to play out of our minds. Number two, they have to help us. Both of those things have to happen because they're that much better than us. It's just reality. Their roster is just that much better. And those two things were happening in both of those games for about three-fourths of both of those games. But in each of those games, Tennessee and Alabama, late in the game, Tennessee and Alabama turned it on and they started playing to their abilities. They started to play like they are capable of playing. Dalton Connect for Tennessee, who is going to an SEC player of the year, took over he was good all game long but he took over late and we don't have an answer for that guy that guy's an NBA player I mean that's an NBA player playing college basketball right now and then the SEC's leading scorer and Mark Sears took over last night he's just better than our guys right now guy. I mean it's just reality they're better so yeah we were playing really well in both those games those opponents were playing poorly it was happening that way until it wasn't So that's why I I said last night on my Twitter video, I'm not mad at this team. I'm not even really upset with them. I'm frustrated, yes, but that's different. Those losses were not about this team not playing hard or losing intensity or choking. I know we had leads and we ended up giving those leads away. I understand that's what happened. People define that as choking or, or blowing a game. I understand that. I look at it as saying, we had no business having those leads. I look at it and say, we did a hell of a job playing out of our minds to even have those teams in that situation where we're beating two top 10 net teams 80% of those games. what I like to see is close games? Of course, we have to figure out how to do that eventually. But our roster is not there yet against those kind of teams. And when they start to turn it on late, now they, they waited a while, but eventually they did turn it on. And when they start playing to their capabilities, when they're that much more talented than us and better than us, they're going to find a way to come back and win those games. And it's not, that wasn't about us. That, that That's why I, I don't like people saying we choked those games away. It wasn't really much that we did. Now, yeah, we did turn the ball over Morgan's Alabama. That was frustrating. But also has a lot to do with Alabama turning the defensive pressure up and with, the, with their ball pressure, really forcing us into some of those situations. Yeah, did we go you know one on five, it seemed like, too many times? Sure, but again, Alabama, the way they play defense, can force you into that at times. But I look at both of those losses more as functions of those teams waking up and playing to their ability level, as opposed to us just completely blowing the game and giving away. I think we gave away the game as forward. I know we were down big in that game, so we don't look at it that way. But we hurt ourselves in that game with our lack of adjustments, missed free throws. That is what cost us in those games. Against Alabama last night, guys, they just started hitting shots. They just started playing like they can play. And when they play like that, we can't beat them. Okay, like our roster, our program is not there yet. We're getting there. We're getting better, but we're not there yet. Tennessee, same thing. They played poorly. They were trying the ball over a lot in that game. They turned on the, the, the back half of the second half, and they're just, when they do that and they play like that, we're not going to beat Tennessee. We need them to play below their capabilities for an entire game. And it almost happened, but it just didn't happen. So I, I understand, again, why people want to say we're choking and blow it. I get that. I just disagree. Personally, I just, I just disagree. I don't get the context, the nuance of that situation. But Okay, guys, we're going to get to the South Carolina game. I'm going to preview that game here in just a minute. But first, I do want to remind you about our friends at Alumni Hall. I know we're frustrated right now with these recent losses and uh, the inability to break through in some of these quad win opportunities. But guys, Georgia basketball is doing some things we haven't done in a while here, right? We're, we're clearly making progress. We are 16 and 16 last year. We're gonna blow that out of the water this year. So let's get behind these guys and let's support them. And Alumni Hall has a ton of new Georgia basketball gear on the shelves right now. So hop in there today inside the Epsom Shopping Center here in the Classic City, or you can shop online at alumnihall.com and get it delivered to you in the comfort of your own home and support those hoop dogs as we try, try our best to make a run to insulate tournament and try to figure out a way to win some of these quad one games, guys. But check out Alumni Hall because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. All right, guys, South Carolina, round two. We won round one, the biggest win of the season on the road of Columbia, a place that we just really never win. We went in there and won a couple weeks ago. That was and still remains our only quad one win of the season. This game, however, is not going to be a quad one opportunity right now because South Carolina is not a top 30 net team. They're a top, well, they were 39 last night, I guess by the results of yesterday's games. They dropped a little bit. They dropped to 41, but they're right there. We need them to jump up a couple spots, get into the top 30 of the net, and that would make this a a quad one win for us. We'll just have to see how they finish out the rest of their season. But there's a chance this could end up being a quad one win by the end of the season. It just won't be now if we beat them on Saturday, but still, we need to win this game, okay, and I feel like this is another game that we can get, this is a Saturday home game, it's sold out, it's going to be rocking, it's going to be insane, and this is a team I actually think that we match up pretty well with, they are a very good basketball team, they just beat Tennessee this week, they've already beaten Kentucky, they won at Tennessee, and they've beaten Kentucky, this is a good basketball team, but they are undersized, and Chiwa, I felt coming to the last game that he would have a big game against B.J. Mack, who's a transfer from Wofford. Who's just a, he's a perimeter. He, he's a stretch five is what he is. And he's vastly undersized. And they don't really have anyone that can defend Chiwa. And Chiwa just played really poor in that game. He got up all, all up in his feelings, got emotional, and just kind of got out of the game. And, and, and Frank Anselm came in and kind of saved the day and really helped us win that game. But I still think this is a game that Chiwa, especially at home, could potentially dominate down low. I've said many times, I think Chiwa's a bully. Like when he can bully the opponent, when he's just flat out bigger than them, that's when this guy is at his best. When the, when he's playing against a guy that's his same size, he doesn't tend to fare as well because he can't bully them. This is a team that he can bully. Now, B.J. Mack, with his ability to play as a stretch five and, and play out on the perimeter, that does give us some problems defensively, and that's really where Frank Anslem came in huge for us. He was a good rim protector. He was able to defend on the perimeter and did a great job for us there. So, that could hurt us a little bit on the defensive end, but offensively, Chiwa could very well have a big game, and it honestly should be a rebounding monster in this game with his size and South Carolina's lack of size. Now defensively this is a really good South Carolina team that's probably the strength of this team they're, they're solid offensively and they have a number of guys that can be the guy on any given night but they don't have like one consistent go-to feature guy sometimes it's Michi Johnson who's a transfer from Ohio State he had a big game against us but the game before that didn't play well at all it was basically benched the entire second half because he wasn't playing well against Tennessee on uh, uh, was it Tuesday night? he had three points. He was one of eight, played 30 minutes, had three points. So it, he's just, you know, he's, he's kind of a lot like Noah Thompson, can be really, really good, but sometimes just doesn't show up. Uh, Talon Cooper is a guy that's been really good for them of late, but he's still inconsistent. He's not consistently that guy. He's only averaging 10 points a game. Sometimes it's the Vandy transfer, Miles Studi, who actually got hurt when we played them a couple weeks ago, he got hurt in the second half and missed a couple games, but he is back now. He's also averaging 10 points a game. So with South Carolina, it's they play really good defense. And they have a number of guys who could be the guy on any given night. They have a number of options, which can make them tough to defend because you don't know exactly who to gear up on when you're coming into the game trying to put together your game plan. But they largely did a really good job defending Tennessee. Now, Don Connect went off because Don Connect is just a dude. He scored 31 points, but their strategy was very clearly, all right, Don Connect, we know you're going to get yours. Get yours. That's fine. We will not let anyone else have an impact on this game offensively, and they didn't. I mean, uh, Vescovy had 10 points, but, I mean, Ziegler had two Josiah Jordan-James, two. So two of your starters combined for four points. Uh, Jonas Adu, their starting center, who's actually been good for them offensively this year. He had six points. So, I mean, they scored 59 points. Don connect had 31 of them. He had a good bit more than half their total scoring output. But they will make us earn it offensively. They're going to get up in our face. Again, a lot like LSU. It's like the third game in a row. LSU, Alabama, South Carolina. They're going to pressure the ball a lot. They have a lot of good athletes out there. They're very undersized. But they have a lot of quickness on the court. And they are going to get in your grill defensively, and they're going to try to drive by you offensively. They want to dribble drive, penetrate, draw defenders, kick for open threes. I do worry about them looking at what Florida did to us and run a lot of high ball screens, because they can do that. They can do the pick and pock, do a pick and roll with with BJ Mack, and Chiwa, that's where he becomes some sort of a liability. So I imagine they might try to do that, number one, to tire him out, and maybe also to get us to adjust, get him out of the game, because they know they, they don't really have anyone that can match up with him, when it comes to the defensive end that's also Alabama did a lot of that late in the game so I know you know go back to the Alabama game real quick Grant Nelson hit those two dagger threes late in the game well how did they free him up they went to what Florida did all day against us on Saturday They went to the high the high ball screen and they didn't run a ton of it early in the game I, I kept wondering why are they not doing this Florida just diced us up we had no answer for the high ball screen and they kind of waited a little bit to, to pull it out, and but they went to it late, and they got good looks. Now, against Alabama, we did make an adjustment. We didn't switch it, but when we didn't switch it, we were trying to get, a, get over there, and it let them just a, a slight second to be open, get a clean look from three, and Nelson just drained them from the top of the key. So that's an action that's really hurt us each of the last two games in South Carolina with their ability to run that with their personnel. I, I think it'd be malpractice if they didn't go to that early and often this game and Lamont Paris is a really good coach probably gonna win SEC coach of the year right now he's got to be the front runner so I expect to see a heavy dose of that and I'm curious to see how we respond to that because you have to make a decision do we keep big Russ on the court to try to take advantage of their lack of size defensively and hopefully has a big game scoring for us and controlling the boards Or do we opt for more of a defensive presence that can really help us defend that high ball screen more effectively with Jalen Deloach or Frank Anslem? I don't know the answer. I think you have to feel it out as the game progresses and kind of just see how they're trying to attack us and adjust from there. And also see who else shows up for us offensively. You know, if if we have Jabri Abdurrahim who wakes up and starts hitting some more threes, if if RJ Melinda continues to play at the level he's been playing, if Noah Thomason shows up, maybe we don't need as much scoring from Big Russ, and that means that would give us a little bit more of a chance to play Deloach and Anselm and have them make more of an impact defensively against BJ Mack, who can play that stretch five. But this is another game that I think we absolutely can get. South Carolina is a talented team. They're a very well-coached team. But I don't think they're all that much more talented than we are. I really don't. I said that when we played them the first time. This is a team yeah, they're, they're good, and they've done a good job in the transfer portal. I don't really think they're that much more talented than us. Maybe slightly more talented, but it's not much. It's negligible at best right now. So with that and the fact that we're playing at home on a Saturday and we are in desperate need of another big win... I think this is a, a really good chance for us to get a, a big win in this game. And I know we've already beaten them one time. Unfortunately, again, it will not be a quad one win right now. It could be, by the end of the season, if they continue to win. I mean, they're sitting there. They're 18-3 right now, guys. If they continue to win, and I'm let's see what they got. They've got um, at Ole Miss. They've got at Texas A&M. If they can win some of those games, uh, if they beat Tennessee at home, if they beat Mississippi State on the road, they could easily jump into the top 30. There's a really good chance they could jump jump inside the top 30 of the net by season's end. And that's all that matters. When it comes to Selection Sunday, where are they? If they're in the top 30 at that point, then that counts as a quad one win for us. So we need to get this win. Won't be a quad one win right now, but doesn't mean it won't be in the future. But speaking of the NCAA tournament and our chances to make the NCAA tournament, let's wrap things up with an NCAA tourney update there's no beating around the bush, guys. The losses at Florida and at home against Alabama, whether they were more talented than us or not, those were blows to our chances to make the NCAA tournament because we've got to get quad one wins. We've got one right now. We've got a number of quad two wins. We've got good wins. We don't have enough of the elite wins the committee is looking for. We've got one. That win at South Carolina. We need more. We've got some chances, but with each passing game, those chances are becoming fewer and fewer. So, we're going to have a chance next week on the road at Mississippi State on Wednesday night. That's a big one. That's a game absolutely we can get. I don't think they're that much more talent. Actually, I think that it's pretty even from a talent standpoint. I think that we can get that game. I know it's a tough place to play on the road. I understand that. But midweek games usually aren't as raucous as Saturday games. So we'll see. I think it's a game that we can get. That'd be a huge quad one win there. Florida at home would not be a quad one opportunity. Auburn at home, quad one opportunity. Auburn on the road quad one opportunity a and maybe they're 45 in the net right now we play them in a couple of weeks so they have some time to maybe inch back up into the top 30 but right now we have three guaranteed quad one opportunities we need to win I think two of them I think we need to beat Mississippi State on the road and we need to beat Auburn some way somehow in one of those games we're not gonna beat Auburn on the road I don't think that's gonna happen probably won't beat them at home either but we need to find a way to dig deep and get that win if we get one of those and we hold serve in the games that we should win, then we got a shot depending on what happens in the SEC tournament. In the SEC tournament, we'll get some more opportunities for quad one wins. When it's a neutral site, top 50 wins, top 50 net wins count as quad one opportunities. So I think if we can get at least one more, one of these three opportunities, again, maybe South Carolina turns into one, maybe AM turns into one, maybe Ole Miss, but probably not Ole Miss. That's why I kind of wish we were playing Ole Miss on the road this year because that would be a quad win opportunity if we were playing them on the road, not at home. They're in the mid-50s right now. Florida State could also potentially move up in the top 75. They're, they've been flirting with it. They would have beat North Carolina last week, which they almost did. I was devastated when they lost that game because if they win that game, they're probably in the top 75. And that would count as a quad win win us as we beat them in a true road game in Tallahassee. So that one could be Wake Forest if they turn it on late. I mean, they're in the mid-40s right now, but they could maybe finish strong in the ACC and get inside the top three. So maybe some of those games turn into quad one wins, but we have three on our schedule now that are going to be quad one opportunities that I know for sure are going to be quad one opportunities. We need to win at least one of them, and if we only win one of them, we're going to have to win at least one quad one game in the tournament, in the SEC tournament, to have a shot to get into the big dance. Maybe two. I think we probably need to get to three total quad one wins, at least, and then also hold serve and don't have any bad losses. Like, don't lose at Vanderbilt. That, that's one thing we have going for us. So we don't have bad losses. We don't have a quad three or quad four loss. That's helping us and helping our opportunities right now. Now we got to get the quad one wins. That's what we're lacking. So I think we need to get at least three. Four would almost certainly put us in if we don't have a bad loss. But that's kind of a stretch right now. And that's why, like you know, losing at Florida, ending up losing those games to Tennessee and Alabama at home, that's why they hurt. Because if we got two right now, we're sitting pretty well. Because, you know, at Mississippi State, That's a good opportunity to get one. And then you never know. You're playing with house of money against Auburn. You go to the SEC tournament in a neutral site, maybe get one there. We're looking pretty good. But yeah, uh, it didn't happen that way. But I'll, I'll close with this, guys. I'm not giving up on this team yet. Because again, those quad one opportunities are still there. We're not even halfway through the conference slate right now. The opportunities are there. They're in front of us. Will we take advantage of them? I cannot guarantee that. I cannot. I mean, history would tell you what we've seen so far. No, we're probably not gonna be Auburn at home. Almost certainly won't win at Auburn on the road. Who knows? What we'll see what happens at Mississippi State. But I'm not giving up on this team. They fight, they play hard, and they're good. We're talented. We're much more talented than we have been in a minute. But when we play these elite teams, these uber talented teams, we still need them to help us. I get that. But I'm not giving up because there's a chance. And until there's just mathematically no chance this team's getting the tournament barring a miracle run to the SEC tournament championship, I'm not going to give up on this team because they fight. They play hard. They play together. And if you keep knocking on the door, even if we haven't broken through yet, if you keep knocking on the door and knocking on the door, knocking on the door, eventually you're going to kick that door down. Now, will that happen too late in the season? Maybe potentially. But with the way this team fights and the way they can defend and the way they can play, the way they've shown that they can play, there's still a chance. Now the chances continue to dwindle with each lost opportunity, but there are still opportunities out there. So I'm not giving up on them. I know we're all frustrated with how that game went down last night. I know we're all frustrated with getting so close to beating Florida and also the same thing with Tennessee. I understand that, but let's also not lose sight of what's in front of us. The fat lady hadn't sung yet, guys. Hadn't happened yet. So stick with this team and let's just see what happens. Let's see what happens, guys. All right, that's it for me. That's all I got today. Let's get this dub against the Cox on Saturday. It would be a huge, huge momentum swing heading into a big game against Mississippi State on the road next Wednesday. But I'll be right back here, same time next week, to recap the game at South Carolina on Saturday and also the road game in Starkville on Wednesday. So make sure to check back then, guys. Of course, we'll have some football content for you guys next week as well you know we never let you down with that football fix so keep coming on back guys we appreciate each and every one of you have a fantastic weekend i'm tyler and of course as always go dogs.